I'm going to talk tonight about trusting Christ with our criminals, deathbed salvation, something we don't talk about a whole lot. Can people be saved at the last moments of their life? Is it possible? A lot of you have loved ones that you wonder what happened to them. Amen? And you think, probably no way they made it. I know the doctrine. But there's a lot, there's a lot on the topic. And tonight, that's our topic. But youth and kids, you don't get to hear that right now. Sorry. You, you're going to go to your classes. You're going to miss out. Not that you probably care about that stuff. You're not even thinking about death. You're like, I'll never die. Yeah, I used to think that too. Have a great class, youth and all of our kids and our staff and adults. Please watch it later when you get time. Everybody else, Matthew chapter 7, 21 through 23, New King James Version. Is anybody ready to hear revelation tonight from the Lord? I hope that you I hope that you are. I hope that you are Matthew 7 and 21. Let's go to the Bible for some time tonight. Anybody love the word of God? Love the word of God. I hope this helps you. Is this live now on our public? Thank you, Omar. I wanted this to be live. Please share this. Please get the word out. Uh, this is a topic many people won't talk about among us Pentecostals because they're afraid. And I have just never been one to be afraid of controversial subjects. I actually enjoy them. Maybe I'm weird. Maybe something's wrong with me. But I love controversial subjects because I think these are the reasons people lose faith. I think these are the things that, that the devil uses against us. The, lo the devil loves to use confusion against us. But our God's a God of revelation and order. And I believe every answer is in the Bible. Matthew 7, 21, everybody say, let's go. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out devils in your, in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness, workers of iniquity. In another, in another translation, King James translation, this is the New King translation. They surely were in the kingdom if they could cast out devils. Surely they were already in the kingdom, born again of water and spirit, if they could uh, prophesy. Surely they were already in the kingdom, born again of water and spirit, of the Holy Ghost at one point uh, if they could do many wonders in the name of Jesus. Do you agree with that? Somebody say they were in the kingdom, but they weren't in heaven. That's strange to me. In the kingdom, but not saved? How? I thought everyone that got in the kingdom was guaranteed to go to heaven not biblical. It looks like you can get in the kingdom of God and not get in the kingdom of heaven. This is such a big revelation. This is massive. And we have to receive this tonight. Everybody say in Jesus' name. You can be seated. Please listen to me tonight. I hope I can help tonight. How could these people with dominion and authority to cast out devils not be in the kingdom of God. It seems that they were, but they did not end up being saved in the end. 
it's almost as if being born again gets you into the kingdom of God while you're on the earth, but it's not a guaranteed way to get into the kingdom of heaven later. Luke 23 and 39 gives us some more context on the criminals tonight. Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed Jesus, saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. Jesus is in the center, being crucified. Two criminals on the left and on the right are being crucified. And this is the conversation that was taking place at the cross. Verse 40, But the other answered the first criminal and said, Rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? So the first criminal says, If you are the Christ, save yourself and save us. He commanded salvation. Some might say he asked for it, but he didn't ask for it the right way. He demanded eternity. He demanded to go into the kingdom of heaven. But the second criminal said, don't talk like that. You're not right. You're not right what you're doing. Verse 41 And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. We are on this cross and we deserve it. I know what I've done and I know what you've done, buddy. And me and you deserve this cross. But watch this. He doesn't deserve to be on this cross. Talk about the revelation of who Jesus really is. Somebody say faith. He's a criminal. He knows he's wrong, and he knows Jesus is right. He knows Jesus has not sinned. He knows Jesus is innocent. He's got great revelation. He's got faith in Jesus. And look what he says because he's got faith. All he can do, this is it, y'all, he's about to die. He's moments away from death. And all he can do is say what he says in verse 42. Then said Jesus to him, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. There's that word kingdom again. And Jesus said unto him, assuredly, the Greek word there is amen. Kind of like you say in church, somebody say amen. Jesus said amen to the preacher on the cross. He said, will you let me in? I don't deserve it. You deserve better. You deserve better than the cross, and I don't even deserve to be saved. But if you don't mind, Savior, will you save me? Jesus said, yes. Wait, wait, wait. That's way too easy. Wait a minute. Well, there's things to do to be saved. That can't be right. This day, y'all ready? This day, you'll be with me in where? That word is similar to the garden, the garden of Eden. It's also a symbol of heaven. He did not say, this day you'll be with me in my kingdom. He said, this day you'll be with me in heaven. This is, this is pretty crazy, y'all. 
in John 3, long before this moment, Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again of water and of spirit to see and enter what? The kingdom of God. He did not say the kingdom of heaven. Y'all, what is happening? Look, we believe what we believe because preachers told us to believe it. Not because we read it and figured it out with us in our Bible studies. And sometimes it's hard for us Pentecostal preachers with the UPCI license to think of anything that what's been put into us since we were four years old. But when you read the Bible for what it says, it is more accurate than the men of our institutions. We are flawed men. The Word of God is true. Let God be true and every man a liar. I want to know what the book says. I fear the Lord. I fear His Word, not what my doctrines told me to believe. I want to know what the Bible says. And if it means I've got to alter my belief systems to fit the Scripture, then so be it. And don't worry, if I'm wrong, it's online. Someone will tell me. And I'll repent and I'll make it right. Because that's the body of Christ. That's the goodness of the body of Christ. Are y'all seeing everything so far? You must, and therefore, you can get in the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of heaven. Now, this all makes sense. This is how people could be born again of the water and the spirit, get in the kingdom, cast out devils one minute, and not get in the kingdom of heaven the next. Jesus self-proclaimed. Notice. It didn't say heaven, didn't say paradise, not the Greek word. It said the kingdom of God. And it makes us wonder if there are rare occasions where people of faith can get into paradise even if they weren't able to enter into the kingdom. It makes us wonder. Hear what I'm saying, not what I'm not saying. It makes this preacher wonder if there is a way to get into heaven for those rare occasions where people can't get into the kingdom first because they're nailed to a cross. There are times when people find themselves on a cross and they can't go to church next Sunday and they can't go to Pentecost and they can't get to the next step, but they can still have faith. Some of you are like, well, that don't, that don't matter if you've got faith. You need more than faith. We say, no, you don't. No, you don't. No, you don't. Faith from beginning to end is how we are saved. We are saved by faith. This transcends Pentecost. This is bigger than our doctrine. This is bigger than your tongue talking. This is from the beginning to the end. God is always saved who he wanted to save, when he wanted to save, because people had faith in him. And we can't stand the variables. We love to box God up. We love to know everything about him. We love to know everything. We want to know if we're saved, not saved, who's saved, this person's going to heaven or not. We can't stand the unknowns of trusting God, Jesus, with our salvation. But we must trust him. 
I'll, I'll make it all make sense a little bit. Just I want you to fill my heart tonight. I want you to see the puzzle tonight that I see. Is it possible that someone somewhere died between the cross and Pentecost? Is it possible somewhere between the cross and Pentecost there were people who had faith in Jesus but did not have the Holy Ghost evidence of speaking in tongues? What about the day after Pentecost? I'll go down that road with you. Pentecost happens. Peter preached 30 miles down the road. They didn't hear about it. That guy died. Is he saved? He believed in Jesus. He heard Jesus preach two years ago in Galilee. But he never, had to, he never got the chance to hear about Pentecost because Pentecost was brand new revelation on the day of Pentecost. What happened to the guy 30 miles down the road who died the day after Pentecost that didn't get a chance to hear about it? See, when we're asked those questions, we freeze like deer in headlights. Well, well, bless God, God knows everything. Oh, God can take care. We don't know what to say. What, what about someone who doesn't even realize they're dying and they repent, have faith in Jesus, planning on going to get baptized Sunday or even later that night, and they die. Don't know if it's happened. Probably couldn't prove it. Never happened to me, but it could. What happens to people like this? And we scratch our heads and we go, but they didn't talk in tongues. And they didn't get baptized. And guess what? They also didn't live a holy life. You can find an error anyway in the journey. Well, they never got to praying one hour a day. They're probably not saved. You can find some reason to say somebody fell short no matter where they're at in the journey. Yeah, we can. So what must we do to be saved? Let's deal with it. What would you say if someone asked you, what's the plan of salvation? Nine times out of ten. You would quote to them which scripture? Be honest. Don't, don't try to figure out the one that you think I'm thinking. Figure out the one you think you'd probably say if the Lord asked you the question. Acts 2.38. Amen? Pentecostal say amen. And you would quote Acts 2.38, and you'd feel good, and you'd hit your chest and be like, just preach the salvation gospel. There's only one problem. They did not ask Peter how to be saved before Peter answered. We add that part in. We like that part so much because it's kind of like our scripture. It's like our baby scripture. Baptists have their scripture. Methodists have their favorite, the Church of Christ. We got ours. Ours is Acts 2.38, bless God. Back off, that's our territory. You back off our Acts 2.38 message. We claim it like it's ours and not the Lord's message to the world take ownership of it, but we forget that that was not a question of salvation. That was a question of conviction. Peter just said, you killed the Master and the Messiah. You Jews are guilty. What do you do when you feel guilty? You ask for a way out of the guilt. Peter, what do we do? Men and brethren, what do we do? Not what do we do to be saved, when you ask about your salvation, and that's the first thing you think about, you're missing the point of Jesus dying for you on the cross. 
you know, salvation can be very selfish. Some people only want to be saved to save their own skin, and they care nothing about Jesus. I dare say you will not be saved because you want to. You'll be saved because you've put your faith in Jesus, the Savior. You can want to be saved all day long, criminal number one, but you wanting to be saved doesn't get you saved. You putting your faith in the Savior is what gets you saved. Somebody say amen. So how do we get saved if it's not just Acts 2.38? Ephesians 2 and 8, Paul said and made it very clear, for by grace you have been saved through faith. You don't have to get out your dictionary. It's very simple. For by grace you have been saved through faith. For by grace you've been saved through faith. You're saying, well, that is, that's not good enough. Well, look what the rest of it says. And that not of yourselves. For those of you who think, that's not good enough. I have to go and do something and perform. Not of yourselves. You can't save yourself. You can't sing enough on the choir loft. You can't play enough instruments to get saved. You can't pass out enough tacos to the homeless. You can't do enough to be saved. You can't work your way into heaven. You can't perform your way into heaven. Our righteousness is as righteous as of filthy rags. There is nothing we can produce to earn salvation. The only way to be saved is because of the grace of God and because of the faith in God. Not of works, verse 9 says, because if you can be saved by your works, you can boast and you can take the glory and you can say that you did it and you can say you're great, but you are not great. You only worked because of your faith. Your faith made you work. It was because of His grace and because of your faith that made you get up in the morning and produce a work. Humanity has always been saved by the grace of God and through faith in God. Always. Everybody say always. What is grace? Grace is the access to God. It doesn't matter if you want to believe and you want to be saved if he won't open the door to you. When grace is access to be saved. Grace has to be first. The Lord extends an arm to you. The Lord extends a peace treaty to you. The Lord says, if you want to come in, I will go and pay the price for you. I will let my body break. I will pay the price. And now because of his death, because of his grace, now you can come free freely before the throne room of grace. You can enter in because the Lord made a way. What is faith? Faith is the response to God's grace. Because of his grace, I believe I can be saved. Salvation is by grace. Everybody say salvation is by grace. Listen to this. Grace gives empowers Repentance, grace empowers Jesus' name, baptism. Grace empowers the Holy Ghost in filling. Without the grace of God, we wouldn't even be able to get to God. Try all you want to. Have as much faith as you want to. Until the Lord unlocks the door, you're just knocking by faith and you can't get in. But because now the keys to death, hell, and the grave have been unlocked, unlocked the door of salvation, now anyone who wants to go in by faith can go in by faith. 
Without the grace of God, we wouldn't be able to get to God. Grace is God's faith in us. I'm on the way. Unlock the door. You unlock the door because you believe somebody's coming. You unlock the door because you believe someone wants to come in. You open the door because you've got faith someone's on the way. And while we were yet sinners, Christ opened the door. Grace is faith in humanity. When someone's done you wrong and you extend your hand, it's grace that they'll come in and change. When you extend your hand to the evil man, when you extend your hand to someone who sinned, it's the faith in them that they will change their ways, turn from their wicked ways, and grab a hold of you and fix the, the reputation, fix the relationship that they had with you. It takes faith for salvation, but grace is God's faith that we will come into him. Thank God for his grace. It's unmerited favor. You know what that means? It means you can do nothing to deserve it. It's not because we're good. It's because he's forgiving. It's not because we're righteous. It's because he's righteous. It's not because we've earned it. It's because he's earned it. He's paid the price. He's pay- we can't pay the price enough. He's paid the price. Come on, let's clap our hands to the Lord. I feel the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Thank you for your grace, Lord. I don't deserve his grace. Not only is salvation because of his grace, salvation is through faith. Repentance requires faith. You would not repent if you didn't have faith. Baptism in Jesus' name requires faith. Receiving the Holy Ghost requires faith. Faith comes first. Everything else comes after. You don't get the Holy Ghost, then get faith. You believe, then you receive. You don't receive and then believe. You believe and then you receive. The first thing that happens in your walk with God is you are on a cross and you say, I believe. And everything thereafter happens because of that belief. Unless you're locked up. You can't get out. You can't get free. And in those rare cases, the Lord has a plan for you. I got to keep going. Paul used Abraham in the Old Testament as an example of grace and faith. Some of you are like, well, in the Old Testament, you were saved by the law. Well, what about before the law? Even those of you today who are the most studious of theology, your first quotation might be that they were saved in the Old Testament because they brought an offering, they brought an animal, and the animal's blood paid the price and rolled their sins forward to the cross. That's good, except for those before Moses. How are they saved? Well, how was Abraham saved? Let's start with him. Let's start with the father of Israel. Let's start with the first man God called to be his people. Let's start with the first man God called to come out from among them. 
and be ye separate. Let's start with a man who never had access to the Holy Ghost talking in tongues. Baptism in Jesus' name or even a law for the propitiation of his sins. He never had a priest. He never had anything he could come bring to be saved. How was Abraham saved? The story is in Romans chapter 4. I will give you some of it tonight, but you need to study it on your own. It's very deep, but let me give it to you some now. Romans 4 and 1, What then shall we say that Abraham our father has found according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about. Even Abraham was not saved by works. Oh, Abraham was a good guy. That's why he was saved. No, he was not a good guy. He was just a guy. Just like you. He could boast, but not before God. Verse 3. For what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and the belief was counted to him for righteousness. The belief created the righteousness. The belief created righteousness. Let me break it down for you. Abram, come out. Follow me. Come out. I'm calling you. Abram, come out. I want to use you. Bless you. Send you. Come out. Abram, I want to use you. Bless you. Send you. And what did he say? I believe. I'm coming. I'm going. I have faith, therefore I'm walking with you. I have faith, therefore I'm going with you. I have faith, therefore I'm working. I've got faith, therefore I'm going. It was not his walking that produced his righteousness. It was his faith that produced his righteousness. Yep. Verse 4, now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. Your works will not get you into heaven. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for as righteousness. Verse 13, for the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Man, it's so clear in Scripture. For if those who are of the law are heirs, then faith is made void and the promise made of no effect because the law brings about wrath. For where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but to also those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Verse 19. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully convinced that he, that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. Everybody say faith. Do you see faith in Abraham? 
Do you see faith in the Old Testament? Do you see how faith saves us? Not works. Faith in the Lord. Faith is harder than works. Faith is right in here where nobody can see you. Anybody can fake it. Anybody can work for it. It's not enough. It's got to be deep-rooted inside your soul that he is the Lord my God. He is my Savior and my rock. He is the one that gets me out of trouble. He's the only way, the truth, and the life. It can't be by works. It's got to be by absolute being convinced that Jesus is the only way. Verse 22, and therefore it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now it was not written for his sake alone, but that it was imputed or put upon him but also for us. <laughs> also for me. I am thousands of years removed from Abraham. I'm in the dispensation of grace. This was written in the dispensation of grace. It was written, this was written post-Pentecost. This was written post-tongue-talking. This was written post-apostolic church. And yet, it's for us. It's not fighting Pentecost. It's the root of Pentecost. It's the foundation of everything else in the Bible. It's written for us, Brother Brandon. For us. It shall be imputed or put upon us who believe in him, who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. Everybody say we're saved by faith. Let me get to the main point. Groundwork is laid. As Christians, the death of a loved one raises questions almost immediately in our hearts. What's the first thing you think of when you hear someone died? I hope they were right with God. Is that what you think? Because to us Christians, we know that if they're right with God, we'll see them again, and they're not suffering. Nothing hurts us worse than wondering if they might be in hell. One of the reasons why modern-day Christians don't believe anyone goes to hell is because they can't fathom or bear the pain of believing that their loved ones would go to hell. I dare say it's important to fall in love with your family before they're lost. I dare say if you truly love your family, chase them down tonight. I dare say if we're really in love with our family and lost loved ones, we need to get on the phone after church and say, Jesus loves you. I love you, and I want you to make it. Give them every opportunity to be saved. Don't you dare live with regrets for people that you say that you love. Pray over them like the Stevens faithfully did. Pray over them. Call their names. Get on the phone and say, I'm here for you. I love you. Be a bridge. I preached about that. Be a bridge. I, I have noticed that we seem to, to fall in love more with people after we think they've gone to hell. Why don't we love them while they've got hope? Is this okay tonight? I know some of you are going on an emotional roller coaster. Look, the past and the past, what you didn't do is over. The Lord doesn't condemn you, neither do I. 
I'm talking about those who breathe. I'm talking about those who have hope. I'm talking about those right now who you're worried about their salvation and you lose sleep over it. I'm telling you in the Holy Ghost, do not wait till it's too late to give them everything they need to be saved. Give them everything you can. Take them out to lunch. Share love with them. Throw a text to them. Build a bridge. Let's don't love people after they're gone. Can't do anything after that but a D.C. We feel for those who die. We want them to go to heaven. We want to see them again. We want them to enjoy heaven. We don't want them to suffer. We love our loved ones. We know that if they can, they can just get, get to heaven, it'll be okay, even if they're gone too early, even if they died tragically and suffered. If they can just get to heaven, it's going to be okay. But the word there is, everybody say, if. Well, that's where, <laughs> that's, that's the word that gets it. Here's something that we know. This is, this is true. This is biblical. We know that those who are, are not right with the Lord can get right with the Lord in one moment. Contrary to maybe lots of Pentecostals' beliefs, our Father is ready and willing to open His arms up for the prodigal son to come home right now. Our Father is running for sinners. Y'all hear me? Our Father's not far. His arm's not short. But He is willing to reach down at the moment's notice and save anybody who is willing to put their faith in Him. And listen to me right now in the Holy Ghost. They do not have to perform for Him. That's a lie. 1 John 2 and 1, my little children... Everybody say, my little children. He's writing to little children. Those are people of faith. These things I write to you so that you may not sin. He's saying, people of God, little children, I don't want you to sin, but some of you will. <laughs> and if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father. People will get in the kingdom and they will sin. People will repent, get baptized, get the Holy Ghost and backslide going to happen. It's happened. Some of you right now, it's happening to you right now. Some of you are backslid in this church right now. I got good news for you right now. If anyone sins, you have an advocate with the Father. You can fix it this night. You can get right this moment. While I'm preaching to you right now, you can get something in your faith to rise up and declare, Lord, save me right now. I ain't right. I'm a criminal. But you're right, and you're good, and your grace is here, and your mercies are new, and I want to get things right right now. And I'm telling you, you can be saved right now. That fast. Can I add something to that? You can get lost right now. I just felt that on the Holy Ghost. As fast as you can be saved is as fast as you can turn off your mind while I'm preaching and think about pizza. As fast as you can clue in and have faith, as fast as you can doubt this preacher. As fast as you can hear my advice is as fast as you can ignore my advice and be lost forever. Yep. It's that quick. 
Hey, if you, if you can lose a demonic spirit, you can lose a Holy Spirit. Well, I got it. I kept it forever. No, 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 no. You've got to be right with Him right now. This is why the Lord don't tell you when He's coming back. It makes you honest. <laughs> I'm glad I don't know when He's coming back. It's good for me. I ain't getting by the cookie jar with Mama out of town. Ain't no way. She might come in any minute and catch me hovering over. I like not knowing when he's coming back because that keeps me honest. It makes me have to make sure I'm right right now. Some of y'all think you've been hurt. Listen to me. Ain't nothing like hell. Stop all that. Stop all that. We live in a society where everybody's hurt by everybody. Stop that. Stop letting that be the reason you go to hell. You had not even experienced pain yet. That's why the Bible says it'll be a fire seven times anything you ever felt before. There ain't nothing, there ain't nothing in this world compared to the pain you're going to feel if you lose your salvation. Ain't nobody worth going to hell over. Ain't nothing worth going to hell over. Oh, it just hurts so bad, Pastor. Stop. Please don't go to hell. It's the silliest thing I've ever heard of. Why are, you, why are you not serving God? I'm hurting. You're telling me because you're hurt, you're going to go get hurt? Pastor, I don't like pain, but I ain't going to go to heaven. Uh, something's wrong with you. Do you understand if you continue to play the victim card that you will live for eternity suffering? Worse than you've ever suffered in this entire life. Stop. Get right with God. At least have heaven if you can't have a good life on this earth. Now, I've got to finish the context of this, and I've got to hurry and close. Let me give you verse 3, 1 John 2, 3. Always finish the context. Don't preach your doctrine and make it fancy so people will come in the church and like you as a preacher. Now, by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. We have an advocate with the Father, but we have to keep his commandments. Everybody say amen. See how it's balanced out? Charismatic churches say, I have an advocate with the Father, and they, they put the Bible down. But our church says, I have an advocate with the Father, but I also have to keep the commandments. This is a truth church right here. It ought to be full, but people don't want truth. That's all right. I'm going to still preach truth no matter who leaves. And people that want truth will come. They're hungry people. They will come. And as this world gets crazy, this thing's going to get full right here at AFC. You watch. As there's more deception and lies, I'm telling you, denominal Christians are going to run in this place because people are getting sick and tired of false, fake doctrine and churches. So we got to just keep doing what we're doing, keep drinking coffee, and just keep preaching in Jesus' name. Stay in the fight. All right, coffee in Jesus. Yes. Hallelujah. We're going to do this. Okay, so we got to keep his commandments. I, I do not, I, I do know, here's what I know. I do know that the sincere sinners who seek their Savior will manifest obedience to the commandments of Jesus for all to see eventually. Everybody say eventually. Okay. James said, faith without works is dead. 
But this was in reference not to salvation. This was in reference to saying, be blessed, be filled, and not giving someone food. Having faith that someone that's hungry will receive a taco in their stomach because you spoke it into existence. If you want to have faith and you believe that the man who's hungry needs to have a taco, go buy him one. Because faith without works... What this means is, anything you can do with your faith, you need to do. <laughs> okay. And anything you can't do with your faith, he has to. We can't save ourselves. Study the context. You don't have to always have works, right? You don't have to always see it. There are rare occasions where you may not see it from your perspective, and they can still be someone of faith. But give them enough time, faith will manifest and show fruit. Faith will manifest and be obedient. Faith will at all times. The only problem we have is those rare occasions, Dante, where someone's nailed to a cross and they can't get off. They've got faith but they do not have time to be faithful. What is faithfulness? Faithfulness is someone who has faith over time. But faithfulness doesn't save us. Faith saves us. Faithfulness is simply someone who keeps their faith over the journey. Stays saved every day. But what about those who have a moment of faith and suddenly die? And they don't have time, or maybe you weren't around them, or maybe you couldn't see it because they were alone when they died. Maybe they're alone for a week before they died. And this is the part that we hate. That's why Paul declares it's by grace that you've been saved through faith, not of yourselves, the gift of God. So Paul makes it crystal clear. Salvation happens because of God's grace his unearned favor, and our faith in his ability to save us. Church family, tonight I ask a question to you. I hope you know the answer. Is having faith and just believing enough to be saved? No. There are just rare occasions where you don't have the time to manifest the faith for all to see. It's true. As rare as it may be, there are occasions. But wait, Pastor, you said Abraham just had faith and he was saved. Abraham's faith created obedience. Abraham had faith and left his family. It will always require obedience when you have faith. How do I know Abraham had faith? Because he was willing to leave his entire life behind. And Jesus said, follow me. Leave your life behind. And nobody, nobody would leave their life behind unless they had faith in the Savior. So there will always be works following or evidence and manifestations following faith. Faith follows God. It places its trust in God. It follows the voice of God every day, wherever, wherever I go. I trust you, I trust you, I trust you. But what do I do when I can't fulfill your plan because I'm trapped in the gap between my faith and my faithfulness. 
This is where Satan tries to attack us for our loved ones who passed away. Because we know that it's impossible to believe and not receive and manifest the fruit of your belief. We know that you will manifest the fruit of your belief in time. And we get scared when we see our loved ones pass away and we go, I just don't know if I saw them in the choir on Sunday. I just don't know if they were lifting their hands at church. They're not going to heaven. No way. Well, the way we put people in heaven is ridiculous. Do you know how many people I have, I have seen lift their hands and shout Jesus on Sunday morning and cuss their kids out on Sunday night? And yet we will put them in heaven right here at the church because they shouted a lot. Because they had a skirt on. Their hair was long, but so was their tongue. They don't believe in cutting hair. They believe in cutting people. And we, we say they pay their tithes. They were faithful in attendance. On the surface, they were saved. But their spouse is sitting there going, hmm. If you only knew and I knew. When you weren't around, preacher. Boy, if you only knew the way they talked to me when the church service was over. I hope they died during service. One day in eternity, we may be shocked to see who's really there and who's really not. Wait, where was, the, where was the, uh, that one dude that taught Sunday school? Oh, something going on in his house, huh? That man was sneaky. I saw him casting out devil Sunday. You didn't see him stop the iniquity. What happens to people who die in the gap between their faith and their faithfulness, between the faith and the manifested works, between the forgiveness of sin and their ability to prove their obedience publicly for all of us to judge? What happens to people like that? To be honest, I can't say because it could be criminal number one or it could be criminal number two. They both look alike. And they both want to be saved, but they both have a different agenda. They both have a different internal belief that only the master can see. And none of us can know. Thank God I know that Jesus can figure out who can be saved on the deathbed. Because he's the only one that needs to know. I don't need to know. You don't need to know. We wish we could know, but all that matters is if he knows, if he sees, if he hears. That's what matters. So to our text tonight before we close, two criminals, one blasphemes, mocks Jesus, and tries to quote, coax the Savior, almost like a man card, almost like trying to get him to react and make him saved. If you're really the big, bad boss, get yourself off the cross. Save yourself. And save me to prove that you are who you are. You can't talk God into it with your words. 
You can't talk God into saving you with your fancy intimidation. You can't tell them you've cast out devils and get in. You can't tell them you've done many wonderful works and get in. You can't show them your tithing record. Even though he'll look at it. You cannot talk him into it. And that's what this man was trying to do. He honestly could care less about faith in Jesus. He just wanted a quick trip off the cross. We could go back and be a criminal again. Some people don't want heaven or Jesus. They just want to get rid of the guilt. They want fake salvation so they can sleep at night. They don't want to walk with the Lord. But then the other criminal speaks up and says, shut your mouth. I know this man's right. I know I'm wrong. And while we're talking about it, I believe in you so much, Savior, that if you could just say it, I'd be saved. And Jesus, in his last act, looks at him and says, Bingo! You got it! You figured out the faith of Abraham. Your belief makes you righteous, not your works. Jesus saved a man at the last minute, listen please, I'm almost done, who was guilt, a guilty criminal but had respect for God anyhow. He was a guilty criminal but knew he deserved to be punished for his sins. Is that you today? He was a guilty criminal but had faith in Jesus that saved him. He was a guilty criminal but could not manifest the works and the gap between his faith and his last breath. But yet he was saved. Ultimately, church family, it does not matter what we see publicly when something authentic took place privately between a sinner and their Savior. I'm done putting people in heaven and hell. I can't do it. I can't even guess it. I know how I have acted after preaching in a pulpit to my wife. I know who I am. I know I'm not perfect. I know that it's not by my righteousness. I know I deserve to go to hell. I know I can never do enough to be righteous. But I believe in him. And I believe in him. And I trust in him. And it's not by me. It's not by my goodness. It's not by my righteousness. It's by my complete dependency on the Savior to save I'm going to tell you what makes me want to be a better man. Knowing that I don't deserve His grace. Knowing that He took my place. Knowing that I should have been sitting on the cross and He should have denied me access. But knowing that He would love us enough to let a criminal get into heaven in a moment. Reason why I get up tomorrow and worship him again. Pastor, why do Pentecostal preachers don't talk about this? Because they're afraid. They're afraid that this doctrine will make people try to live a sinful life until their deathbed. 
but that's not what happened to me. Because all I can think is, Lord, what else can I do for you? All I can think when I see the grace of God is I need you more. This does not make me want to walk out of this church tonight and sin. This makes me want to fall down on my face and say we are nothing without you. I need you daily. I need you every day. I need you, Savior. Don't you dare believe that, preacher. Don't you dare believe that there are moments where the Lord can save. Don't you dare believe. Don't you dare believe that criminals on a cross could go to heaven. Don't you dare believe it. If you preach that doctrine, then it's going to mess things up. What are we doing? That's fearful doctrine. I got Bible all through the thing from front to back. And I refuse to put people in heaven because of deathbed confession. I still don't know. We'll never know which criminal it is, but I know it could be one of them. The Holy Ghost sent me to this church, and unfortunately, it took suffering for me to see it. But God wanted me to declare that maybe, just maybe, somebody you lost is in heaven right now. And wherever they are right now, we cannot move them. But it could be that because you didn't have closure, you just put them in hell. It could be because you couldn't hear their confession, you set their loss. It could be because the last time you looked at them, they were hung out on drugs, trying on drugs, not living right, and you just went ahead and judged and said, they're probably not made it, but you don't know. You don't know. Stop holding on to that mess. Stop carrying that regret. You're not the Savior. Stop walking around living in fear. You don't know what happened. It's not the will of God for us to live in fear. He is a faithful, righteous judge. If you preach Jesus, hear me in the Holy Ghost right now. If you preach Jesus in the last moment of our life, the bulb might come on. And in that moment where the cancer is destroying them, that word might echo inside their heart. And begin to bounce off the walls of their soul. And they may say, oh, cousin told me last Thanksgiving that if I could ever just turn my heart to the Lord, if I could ever just have some faith, then in that moment of faith, there's chance, there's hope that I might could make it. Better than nothing. If they got out of that hospital, if they got off that cross, you could take them to Pentecost. You could get them baptized in Jesus' name, and they'd do it. They'd be in the choir singing next month. But that doesn't always happen like that. So in the name of Jesus, be free of the devil's attack on your mind because you have let him tell you all hope is lost. Some of you, some people may barely make heaven because of someone else who may have went to heaven and you thought went to hell because you're bitter at God for letting them go somewhere you don't even know they went. Where was God at? Why didn't God save them? He may have. 
Lift your hands right now in the Holy Ghost. Would you forgive God for a second? You don't know what you don't know. Would you stop trying to act like you know everything about everything that happened? You don't. It wasn't even about you and them. It was about God and them. Be free in the name of Jesus. Come on, there's a couple things the Holy Ghost is trying to do right now. He's trying to get some of you to go on the phone tonight when you walk out this room and tell your lost loved ones it's not too late. You hear me? If you ever need the Lord, you call on his name. I don't care if you're in a car wreck. I don't care where you're at. You tell your lost daughters. You tell, you tell your lost sons. You tell your lost husbands and wives. You tell them you might not be there now. You might not be ready today. But when you're ready, my friend, just, just call on the name of the Lord. Hear me in the Holy Ghost right now, church family. Stop preaching faithfulness before you preach faith. You got the cart. You got the cart before the horse. We go up to people and say, get the dress on, live right, stop smoking. No. Get the faith. Brother Dale, let's go out there and tell them, get the faith. Let's go tell Austin, get the faith. Let's go tell the lost loved ones, get the faith. Faithfulness will come if they get faith. Faithfulness will come if we preach faith. Come on, lift up your voices right now. I'm done tonight. Oh, Jesus. Release right now a word to somebody. Release right now, Father. Release right now revelation right now in this place. That's it. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, faith in the Savior. Faith in the Savior. Faith. Let him be the God. Let him be the Savior. Stop fear. Stop worry. Preach Jesus. Let him save them. Let him save them the way he saves them. Oh, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lift your hands up. We're going to release this off right now. It's pride. It's pride. Well, I know they didn't make it. No, you don't. Stop. Stop. There might be some cases where it's, it's clear, more clear than others. There's too many cases where we don't know if you've preached the Lord to them. Someone preached the Lord to them. It might not have been you. It could have been someone at Walmart a week before they died. You just don't know. Nobody wants to save your loved ones more than Jesus. Nobody wants to save your lost loved ones more than Jesus. God, where were you at? I'm telling you right now. He was there. Why didn't you save him? Oh, he, he was there. But, but God, they're dead. No, no, we're all going to die. That's not the case. The case is, can we make it to heaven? Two things the Holy Ghost wants to do in us tonight. He wants to free us from bitterness of things we can't prove and stop holding God accountable for not being a righteous, a righteous good Savior. He wants us to get out of here tonight, get on our phones and call our loved ones and say, listen, we, we just had a burial. Every time someone gets buried, I start thinking about eternity. And every time I think about burial, I think about how, how much I love you. And how I'm asking you, just please call on Jesus, please. He's our Savior. 
I'm telling that's what the Lord wants to do. The Lord wants us to not always want to go and, and get love for people after it's too late. He wants us to do it tonight while it's time. Listen, there was a time one time where Jesus, his, he told his disciple, come follow me. He said, come follow me. He said, but my dad died. I got to go bury him. He said, let the dead bury the dead. Let's go preach. You know why Jesus said that? He said, what good does it do to go talk to someone who's dead because it's too late now? Go find somebody alive and preach Jesus. Stop wasting your time on people that you can't change and go get somebody who's still alive. When they die, they're in the Lord's hands. But as long as they're alive, they're in our hands and the Lord's hands. How many of you feel in the Holy Ghost right now a boldness to get on the phone call tonight or tomorrow? It's going to take a lot of humility. It's going to take getting rid of your pride. I know it's going to be awkward. I'm not talking about getting them all converted in the Holy Ghost in one phone call. I'm talking about faith before faithfulness. And just let them know, you ever going through something, call on the Lord. He's your Savior. Have faith in Him. You may never know until you walk on streets of gold that it worked oh, Jesus. some of y'all need to pray right now in the name of Jesus we're not going to keep you all long tonight in the name of the Lord lift your hands one more time thank you Lord I know it's a word you're going to chew on for a while I know it's a lot to digest but I just, I just want us to get motivated I want us to get out there and start talking about faith talking about faith in Jesus. I want us to start preaching faith in Jesus again. Come on, we'll get faithfulness. They'll get baptized. Don't you worry about that. They will. We, you did. I did. They will too. Let's preach Jesus. Let's get on the phone. Let's get the text going. Let's, let's share love. Let's take them to lunch. Let's don't let them go without a fight. In the name of Jesus. Mm, mm, mm. I know I can't keep you late tonight, I know. I know I can't. I just felt that in my heart tonight, and I hope that it helps you. Bishop, we love you so much. Sister Stevens, Adrian, we love you. Amen. You're not the only one who's been through this. Others have, and others will, and we've got to hear this message. We've got to spread the word. I'm telling you right now, Alicia had a great connection to the Lord if she ever needed it. Because of loving parents, because of faithful prayer warriors, she had every opportunity to reach out to a Savior. Let's let everybody have that chance. Are you ready to do it, church family? Are you ready to stop questioning the past and what God did or didn't do? You won't know until heaven. And I felt it strong tonight. Church, church family, saints of God, please do not think that you're saved just because you come to church and wear a certain outfit. Please don't do that. Please don't do that. You know, all of us not wanting to offend each other these days has left us all untouched. You can't touch anyone anymore because they get offended by you. There's a lot of people going to be confused on Judgment Day when the Lord finally tells the truth to them. Because we don't preach truth anymore, anybody, because they get mad and they get out of our lives. They leave. So you know what we do? We shake their hands and love them, and we just let them go to hell. Well, 
We know how they live. We know they got attitudes. We know how they are. You owe it to your family household to tell them the truth about how they are. You owe it to them. Because, God help us, I don't want to get there on judgment day and claim how many devils I cast out. And the Lord say he never knew me. Everybody say in Jesus' name. Let's clap our hands and give the Lord some good praise for being a gracious, loving, saving God. I'm going to serve you even more now that I know about your grace. Do not wait for the, your deathbed. You might not get a chance. You could die instantly in a car wreck. You could die in your sleep. Don't wait. Don't wait. There's no guarantee just because I preach this. Even if you did say the, say the right words, you might not be real faith and you'd still be lost. Don't, don't bank on that. This is not for those of us who are in it. We know better. Okay? Don't live that way. In fact, let the grace of God pull you close to where I want to, save him, I want to serve him even more. All right, I'm going to let you go. Everybody say in Jesus' name. Shake hands, be friendly. I love you. I hope this word blesses you. Go 